This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 you. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Owandi. Uh, today I have a special guest with me. Her name is Vanessa. Uh, if you haven't heard, you probably heard her voice before. She was on, uh, I think it was episode eight, the LGBT episode. She gave a quick little introduction of this place called Mud Lab. That's where we're located right now doing this episode um i wanted to have her on to talk about her life and being a business owner and her company mud lab she also has another company i wanted her to uh talk about too i'll let her talk about that but um vanessa welcome to the podcast thank you for having me (laughs) so tell us about mud lab what is this uh what is this place that we're in Yeah, so a lot of people come in and they're like, what is it? Um, It is a bit confusing, um, but basically we are the manifestation of a nonprofit that I started with a few friends called For Here, Please. And the mission of For Here, Please is to help businesses reduce their single-use plastics. It's called For Her, Please? For Here, Please. For Here, Please. (laughs) (laughs) Common misconception, no. Who created that name? Um, you know, we came up with the name with one of our neighbors named JC, and he also helped us get our website started. He works for a non nonprofit, I think, called Bridge Care. Uh-huh. Um, but basically, for here, please, just references, like, not always being in a rush. Like, when you go to a restaurant, just requesting your food um, and eating it there versus getting it to go in a disposable container. Wait, wait. So, so you're saying... People should eat all the food when they order at the restaurant. We're just trying to get people to slow down, and we think that one of the one of the you know kind of effects of slowing down is that we do things a little bit more thoughtfully and a little bit more sustainably. And um, when you do get your food at a restaurant and you eat it slower and you sit and enjoy it, you also don't use disposable plastics usually. Um, so you know. Slow down, get to know your neighbors, talk to people around you, don't be in a rush all the time, um, and then, yeah, just like live a little bit closer in harmony with the planet. Um, so that's how we got started, and then it sort of bridged into Mud Lab, which is a space where we hope to give people tools to, to do that as well. So uh, let's, let's stay on for her, please. For here, <laughs> for please. For here, please. <laughs> So how long did you, uh, how long were you doing that? Was it just a, was it a physical store or was it just like a, a, like a, a website or something to give information? Yeah, so For Here Please started out when we approached um, Perch Coffee House on Grand and we said, hey, like, would you guys consider getting rid of all of your disposable plastic cups and also all of your disposable paper cups and having only reusables? And Perch, um, 
they took a chance on us and they said, okay, you're just getting started, but let's try it. And so now Perch is actually the only cafe in Oakland that does not have disposables of any kind. Um, if you forget your reusable mug and you need your, your drink to go, they, they sell you a jar for about a dollar. Mm. And then when you bring the jar back, you get a 25 cent discount. Okay. Shout out to Perch. Where's Perch located? Perch is at 440 grand. And yeah, they're really, they've done a lot of work to educate people about where trash ends up in Oakland. It turns out that some of the storm drains in Oakland empty into Lake Merritt, which is why sometimes when you're walking the lake, you might see trash floating in the lake because the storm drains are emptying into it. Mm. Okay, so um, you were doing that and then it became Mud Lab? Yeah, well, we, I realized that I needed a space to kind of start talking to people about For Here, Please and kind of just a headquarters in order to, you know, have trainings for young people. Um, <clears throat> we do book launches, um, mm -hmm. we do podcasts sometimes, <laughs> but it's yeah. just nice to have a physical space in order to kind of spread the ideas that we developed with For Here, Please. Mm -hmm. So um, how did you find this space? Um, Google. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? I really love Temescal and I've li I lived I had lived here for a couple of years before um, finding this space, but it's also on a busy corner and it's a it's a corner where people who usually pass by are almost always in a rush, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're either in a rush to get to Bart to go to work or they're in a rush to get home. Yeah. And so we thought it would be interesting to say, "Hey, like here we are on this busy corner and you're in a rush to get to work or you're in a rush to get home, but we're asking you to slow down and we're asking you to consider your actions and maybe to do things a little bit differently the next time you leave your house." Mhm. Mm all right, so uh, let's talk about, let's get down to the nitty gritty and talk about your life. Where, uh, where are you from? I'm from Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Rural Wisconsin. Like where? I'm from a very small town called Lake Mills, and it's about 30 minutes outside of Madison. Were you like the only like black child? Uh, me and my brother, yeah. We were the only, well, there might have been one other family um, of color in the town, but yeah. I definitely grew up with um, a majority Caucasian people. Your mom is white and your dad is black? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they <clears throat> were pretty bold to move into a small town as an interracial couple. They definitely have told me stories about encountering racism in the Midwest. Um, but at the same time, like Lake Mills is a wonderful town, and I feel like I was really welcomed with open arms by many people um, I remember my best friend in elementary school was like, Vanessa, before I met you, I thought all black people talked the same. And I just remember you being... slap her? <laughs> no, she's still a great friend. <laughs> but I just remember being like, yeah, like if you grow up in the Midwest and you never meet anybody different than you, you just assume everything's like it is on TV. And I think TV, unfortunately, sometimes reinforces really negative stereotypes or not even negative stereotypes, but just stereotypes that aren't representative of, of all people. Mm-hmm. So you you like you enjoyed growing up there? I did. Well, it's a, it's a very it's a bucolic. It's like a very nice little town on a lake. Mm. Are your parents still living there? Um, yeah, my dad lives there. He's actually out here in California for a few months just for the winter. But yeah, he still lives there. My mom died a couple of years ago. Mm. Okay. So uh, when did you leave Wisconsin? I left Wisconsin in two thousand three for college moved to boston then um another after, racist place yeah <laughs> then lived in um los angeles for a little while then lived in france then moved to 
um, New York, then mm. moved to Jesus. Somalia, then moved to Princeton, New Jersey, and then moved here. What uh, college did you go to in Boston? I went to Harvard. Yeah. All right. What'd you study? I studied film production, which is sort of random, um, but I loved it, and I made a lot of great films. Well, they were I thought they were great. Mm. <laughs> I made a lot of like short little anthropological documentaries in college. Can you name one? Um, I made a film about a man who makes pickles, um, and I made a film about a band called Daniel Striped Tiger, and then I made a film about a relationship in France. Can anyone see these films anyway? These films are not widely distributed. They are more kind of um, just basically on old DVDs under my bed, probably. You ever thought about uh, like putting them out to the world? Honestly, I wouldn't even know how. I've I'm I've fallen very behind in technology. I I have them right. They're on like mini VHS tape, like tiny little tapes that I don't have the converters for or anything. Anymore. Yeah, I, I have have I have some of those tapes too. <laughs> right? <laughs> like in two thousand six and stuff. And what yeah. do you do with them? You're like, uh... I mean, they're just sitting in my uh, cabinet right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what were you like in college? I was a bit of a lush. I partied a lot. Um, I thought it was really fun. I still did quite a bit of volunteer work, so I think that's been something that's always with me. I like walked dogs to a nursing home and um, tutored children at a local school. Um, I think volunteer work has always been me. Mm. But um, yeah, I ran a lot. Mm. I had like little dinner parties with my friends. <laughs> okay. Just sort of a normal college kid. And then you graduated when? I graduated in 2007. With a master's, PhD, what? Oh, no, just a bachelor's. And then I didn't go back to grad school until 2015. And my master's degree is in education administration. I was a teacher for about eight years. Mm. What did you move to France for? I moved to France because I was dating someone at the time who was French. I knew it. I knew that shit. I've always been a romantic. So you were following (laughs) all these places you were moving to, you were following somebody? Actually, that's not true. Um, The only time that I moved for love was to France. And then all my other moves were because of, like work or I I mean I always had an interest in living in Africa being African half African American yeah um, yeah did you meet the guy in America and then moved to France or you met him in France and then came to America and then went back we met when I was studying abroad in France okay. um, we met at a bar classic, classic <laughs> an American yeah. bar yeah. <laughs> I guess he was trying to meet an American <laughs> I guess so and what happened uh, he's a lovely person I think he was like a a French person, no, an American person born into a French body. Like when he got to the United States, he was like, this is my place, right? Like, Oh, so you brought him to the United States? Yeah, yeah. He now has citizenship. He lives in LA. He's happy as a clam here. You guys got married? We did, we did. I got married when I was 22. Yeah, to him? Uh, Yeah, I'm divorced. Okay, and so, okay, so that's how he's a citizen? Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that nice how that works? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Marriage did you guys break up like as soon as he came back? Did you start noticing changes in the relationship as soon as you guys came back to the States? You know, it was one of those relationships. So he's still dear friends with my, my dad. He visited my mom when she was dying. Like he's, he's a dear friend of the family because we kind of grew up together. Um, like we text all the time. Uh, we're going to like have a shared vacation in a few weeks. Like we grew up mm. together, but we also grew apart. Um, and I think that's what happens sometimes when you're in a long-term relationship. So you guys are still... Sleeping together. That's no, 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 no. We're I mean, just if you're going on vacation <laughs> together, you're going to sleep together. I mean, I'm going to bring my new boyfriend. Uh, what? 
Yeah, and he's going to bring his new girlfriend who looks just like me, which is weird. Why are you guys going on vacation together? Uh, Because he wants to see my dad because they're still friends. And I want to see my dad because he's my dad. You don't think that's weird? I mean, you know, there's all kinds of different families in the world. What if he's like, you know, let's let's swing? Uh, I don't think he would do that. Well, what if he says that? I would say no. Uh. <laughs> I'm not a swinger. I've I've thought about it, but it's just not in me. Uh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, uh, you told me that you used to live on, uh, used to own a house or loft or whatever. Mm-hmm. Was that the guy you owned it with? No, no, that right. was my fiance. Um. So you okay? Sorry. Yeah, I've had. I think <clears throat> I'm a serial monogamist. <clears throat> I've had like. You don't like being single, huh? I don't. Although I did write a book about dating, um, but no, I don't like being single. Um, so I dated someone for four years, then I dated someone for five years, then three. They get, my relationships keep getting shorter. But my last one was my fiance. We bought a house together. Things didn't work out, unfortunately. But we were only actually together for like a year and a half. Mm. Yeah, and that was actually quite close to Mud Lab, just like about a mile from here. So you fall in love like really fast. I fall in love, like, on the first or second date. I'm just yeah. very susceptible to love. I think I see the good in people, and that's the problem. Are you in love with your boyfriend now? Uh, I shouldn't probably say that on the podcast, because he might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> We've only known each other a week. <laughs> what? <coughs> a I week? Know. I know. Isn't that crazy? That should it's be like, an easy answer. No, I'm not in love with him. Okay. It's been a week. But, you know, love can happen very quickly, I think. Are you in love with me? No. Okay. See how easy that was? <laughs> well, we're not dating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, damn, a week and you're already going on family vacations? I mean. You need to slow. You need to slow. take your own advice and slow fit. down and come into my lab. I know. I know. I need to take my own advice. Yeah. That is actually one thing that I grapple with all the time. So, I do things really quickly. Um, but then I do some things really slowly. And I think that's, I mean, that was the point of my book. Mm. It was like, learn how to do thi- like things that you can do quickly, quickly, so that you can do things that you need to do slowly, you know, carefully. So, what's it, what, what was the name of this book? 15-Minute First Dates. 15-Minute First Dates? Uh-huh. Where can people find this? Um, I have a copy here at the store. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah One yeah. copy? Well, I sold the rest. Hold on. Oh, nice. It's like an actual book. It's like an actual book. It's a physical book. Um, it's also available on Kindle if you want to save some paper. I think it's free on Kindle. Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah, you wrote this whole thing. I did. Yeah. Oh, that's impressive. Thank you. Who published it? I published it myself. Self-published. Wow. Yeah. Have you written a book? Hell no. Why not? I don't know. You should write a book. About I don't know. I don't know what to write a book about. Well, mine is about efficiency, because I like to be efficient, but it's also about dating, but it's also about sustainability. I do, I do write poems, and I wanted to publish oh. a, a book about, uh, with all my poems in it. Oh my gosh, I would love to have your, um, your launch here at the store, if you'd like. Well, I would love for you to publish it. I mean, I'm not a publisher. <laughs> you published a book, so you're a publisher. I published it on Amazon. I'm happy to teach you how to self-publish on Amazon. <laughs> it's very yeah, sure. easy. Yeah, it's right. referred. Just upload it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so how did you get into... Do I get to ask you questions about you? No. Oh. <laughs> no one asks me questions on this. <laughs> Everyone wants to, but I shut it down real quick. I think that would be a fun episode, though, right? Like the reverse, where someone interviews yeah, you. Yeah, probably would, but I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. Maybe what would you want to ask? I mean, I want to know, like, all the questions that you're asking me. Okay, yeah, no. Where are you from? Nope, nope, What else, what else? Um, so... 
Mud Lab. Okay, so you came, when did you come to Oakland? 2016. I the- drove out of New Jersey in a blizzard, almost died. Mm-hmm. Um, arrived here, immediately started dating someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, and then I taught at Castlemont. You know Castlemont? Yeah, I, I graduated from Castlemont. What? Oh, crazy. Yeah, I taught there for about four years. When? 2016. Oh, yeah, I was gone by then. Mm-hmm. What, were you, what were you teaching? I was teaching English to students from um, Central and South America. At Casamont? Yeah, the newcomers. So kids who'd recently crossed the border. Uh, mm-hmm. Is Casamont even a high school now? Yes, yes it is. It's still? Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, ish. <laughs> yeah. uh, because uh, last time I checked, there was like eighth graders and oh. shit there also. No, it's just a high school. It's back to being just a high school. Uh, it's a great school. Yeah, it is. I mean, I had uh, I only did one year, yeah, my senior year, mm-hmm. and um, I loved it. Yeah, there's a real laissez-faire attitude. Like, if you don't want to be in class, you don't really have to be in class, which I think, you know, some people, it makes them feel uncomfortable, but it's like it really gives kids the freedom to mm-hmm, just, like, explore free will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, had some of my favorite teachers there. Uh, Miss Flanagan, she was a, do you know her? Mm-mm. Yeah, she was a history teacher, and she was my favorite teacher I've ever had. Also, I stood out at Casamont because I was from the East Coast, so I was like the Where only, are you from? I was the only kid walking around with Tim's and shit. <laughs> Philadelphia. You brought Tim's to the West Coast? That was you. Yeah, I <laughs> nice. walked the graduation stage with Tim's. <laughs> and jeans. Everyone was like in slacks and shit. But anyway. I, I once bought a pair of Tim's because of a rap song. You know that song about the baby blue Tim's? No. Yeah, well, there's a song about Baby Blue Timberlands, and I, like, turned around and, like, bought a pair and who, thought I was so cool. Who raps that song? I don't even know. I was, like, a high school kid. I was like, I'm going to be so cool. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, so this is your passion, uh, like, teaching and all that? Yeah, I do love to teach. I love um, talking to people about sustainability. Why do you think sustainability is so important? I mean, I think sustainability can be thought of in a lot of different ways. I think, mm, you know, if we want to have a future on the planet, it's kind of important for us to kind of come together and do things in better ways. So how do you feel about uh, this administration um, rolling back everything that Obama did? Yeah. As far as like uh, green energy, all the projects and all that. That's been really upsetting. Um, If you turn around just right over your left shoulder, you'll see um, our next campaign here at Mudlab is to make November 3rd a national holiday. Mm -hmm. So I was meeting with some people from the Bernie Sanders campaign and some people from Patagonia um, a few weeks ago about possibly getting that going. But basically there's a bunch of different initiatives to to do this. And one one of the ideas that we have is to put a banner up on the front of MudLab that says, you know, make November 3rd a national holiday to encourage businesses to just say, you know, we're we're making this choice it's important to vote we want everyone to have the time and you know energy to vote so november 3rd what's going on november 3rd well that's election day oh Um, yeah so (laughs) you will be paid and we want you to go vote um because disenfranchisement is such a problem and so how can we like come together as businesses and make sure that everybody votes because it's so important yeah uh do you think uh voting for the president is more important than voting for like local people Oh, no, I think they're both important. Which one do you think is more important? 
Do you think the president affects your day-to-day life more than like your your city councilman or your mayor or anything? I mean, it's it's difficult to say what affects day-to-day life, right? Because I think some actions can be so wide wide um, influencing, right? Right, like if Donald Trump decides to roll back environmental protections, mm-hmm. like that might not impact my day to day, but it's going to impact like the world around me in such significant ways. So mm-hmm. I think I think both are important. You can't have one without the other. Who are you voting for? In the next election? Yes. I mean, I haven't decided yet. I'd like to vote for a candidate who represents my values. Is there anyone out there right now that does? I a lot of the Democratic candidates I really enjoy. You have um, one specific that you like? I think in order of preference, Elizabeth Warren, Andrew Yang, Bernie Sanders. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. How so about no, you? No Joe Biden? Uh, not this time. <laughs> uh, me, I don't really... I still want Oprah to get in. Oh, Oprah would be great. What, did she decide not to run? Yeah, she been decided. Hmm. You know, I played with, for a little bit, the idea of running for president. Because really? I'm going to turn 35 in time. But my friends shut that down. They're like, nobody knows you. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I was like, but wouldn't that be cool? Like the youngest female African-American president ever. Yeah, why not? Right? Yeah. You want to hear something funny? Is um, I wanted to run for mayor of Oakland, right? Oh, you'd and be then, a great mayor. And this last, I mean, that's my nickname. They call me the mayor because <laughs> cause a lot of people, uh, random people, you know how the mayor like walks around the streets and then like everyone waves to him like hey mayor like like random people wave to me when i'm walking around police officers cooks like people just wave to me out of the blue for some reason so like they gave me the nickname the mayor because a lot of people know me for the for whatever reason but uh this last uh election i went in the voting booth and then i when it came to mayor to vote for the mayor i wrote my own name down and voted for myself that's great so you already have some votes yeah i had one vote i documented it too on uh social media it was funny so this is a random yeah so this is another idea that we were playing with what if everybody just voted for themselves for president then what would happen like what if everybody in the entire country wrote themselves then would the power be given back to the people like it's kind of a wild idea but like there is a right in category because it'll be there'll be that one person who Convinces someone convinces else, someone else to vote for them. So <laughs> everyone will have one vote, and then that random one person will have two votes, and he'll win. I just think it would be so cool if everyone just voted for themselves. Yeah, but that that shit would never happen. And even if that did happen, I still think you're the president. <laughs> yes, I'm the fucking president. But uh, it's like that Aloe Black song. I'm the man. <laughs> I'm the man. So you're into politics? I'm into politics in that I think. The, pol- the politicians should represent the will of the people, and I, I do think the will of the people is more progressive than our current political parties mm-hmm. would indicate. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, honestly, I think all politicians are um, are liars. They like Because, first of all, nobody in Congress, I'm talking about absolutely no one, knows what the average person actually really goes through. You can't. So un- until until someone who's until someone gets elected that like an ordinary person like you or me or someone gets elected in Congress who actually knows, oh, this person 
is living paycheck to paycheck, so they have to decide whether you know, pay their internet so they can search for jobs or pay their phone or so they can call and get receive phone calls for a job or you know shit like that like no one actually knows about like struggles like people go through mm, and true. until someone actually gets elected who actually goes through those struggles or like literally knows it firsthand i don't think uh i don't think shit would change in uh congress because you have first of all you have all these old white people who are rich who've been rich who don't know shit about they're just going like oh schools schools should get money but what schools like this school like Castlemont for example how come Castlemont doesn't get money but these schools in Piedmont mm. get all this money right you know what I'm saying what I'm saying yeah and you would never know that unless you are like down in the trenches and seeing it firsthand so that's my view on politics so I don't really uh I mean I was passionate about Barack Obama when he yeah. was uh because I mean he was black I literally only voted for Barack Obama because he was black. I don't give a fuck what he was saying. The fact that he was black, I voted for him. And I'm I'm not ashamed of saying that shit. He's a good person, too, though. Yeah, he's a good person. But even he didn't do enough as he should for black people. I think it's impossible to do everything, though, right? Because there is an aspect of compromise in politics. Like, if you don't compromise, then you'll accomplish nothing. But imagine if you were the first woman president ever. I would just do everything. <laughs> but if you were the first woman, like, let's think about this. If you were the first woman president ever in history, do you think that you should, your main priority is to uplift and do things for women? Since you were like the first, if every single woman in America voted for you and you're like the first, shouldn't that be on your, your first agenda? Like, what can I do to change, uh, to make sure women get paid the same as men? Or what can I do to make sure... I think uh, they have the right yeah. to like have an abortion if they want to. Like that should be my main goal. I think of women's rights are important, and for the first female president, that will probably be high on her agenda. However, like I think the people who need the most advocacy are those who don't like like you were saying who are struggling so much that they can't advocate for themselves. And I think there are plenty of women in America who don't need anyone to advocate for them. They're fine. They're advocating for themselves. They're powerful. They've got money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uplifting people without power would probably, for me anyway, be a higher priority than uplifting any particular gender. Mm. Okay. So um, where do you find all this stuff that you get from my lab? Like donations? Um, many of the books were donated. Some of them were bought from a literary salon called the Octopus Lounge. Um, a lot of things are a lot of the furniture is from a company called Bay Area Redwood that um, processes redwood trees and other kinds of wood that are going to be removed from people's yards. Mm -hmm. And then um, we work with a lot of farmer's market vendors for our shelf-stable food items. And then everything else, yeah. um, We had a a woman who is closing down her online zero-waste business, and so she sold us some of our wares. Um, A lot of the things in the store currently are gifts that were given to me by Mm -hmm. various people. Okay. And nothing is wasted? Well, we have our trash sorted into eight different bins in the back. Um, Mm. So we have paper, recycling, landfill, compost, batteries, plastic Mm. bags, and a couple other categories. And we tried, I think, you know, sorting trash with the current state of our infrastructure is the most important thing so that things don't get cross-contaminated. Obviously, zero waste is the goal, but low waste is the reality. Mm. And where do you get all this bread from? 
The bread is from a company called Community Grains, and they are incredible. Um, they also provide our pasta and will eventually provide flour and polenta as well. But they invest in farmers who are um, interested in protecting soil health. Mm-hmm. So farmers who use no-till methods, regenerative agriculture, um, crop rotation, um, all organic farmers, all within about 100 miles. Um, and they have a very unique process in that their wheat is um, whole milled, whole grain. So it preserves all three parts of the wheat kernel. Um, so it's really, really healthy. Um, and we feel blessed right now. We have some overage of pasta. So we're going to be donating pasta to um, to a few different neighborhood groups who feed people who are experiencing homelessness. And also we might donate some to the Berkeley Food Bank. Um, but we have... We have quite a bit of pasta on hand right now. <laughs> I won't tell you exactly how many pounds, but we have Jeez. we have some extra pasta. <laughs> so people can just come in and be like, oh, I want some pasta and get it for free? Yes, they can. Um, we are encourage people to bring their own reusable containers mm. um, because that's kind of what Mud Lab is all about, right? How to teach people to remember their reusables. So if you bring a reusable container, you can get as much pasta as you can carry. Yeah. What else can you get for free out of here? Um, there's a free box of books outside every day. Uh-huh. Uh, I give away free bread every day. I bake bread. So you make bread as well? Um, yep, I make bread. Do you make bread at the bakery where you get this from? I sometimes will bake off Community Grains bread, and that bread, um, obviously, we pay for. But um, the bread that I bake at my house is all sourdough whole wheat as well. Um, I grew up baking. It's relaxing. Is it? Sometimes. What else can you bake? Like cakes and shit? Mm-hmm. Pies. Do you smoke? Smoke what? Weed. No. Yeah. Although, you smoke cigarettes? We're exploring a partnership with a weed farmer to create weed flour. Weed like flour? Like a couple, a couple years down the road. Yeah, we'd love to um, CBD flour just to, for home bakers to use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ever ate an edible before? Um, yes, and it was a terrible, terrible experience. It was once in my entire life. Never again. What happened? Well... I had a triple strength pot brownie and so I was like hallucinating for two days. I was throwing up. I thought that like the words coming out of my mouth weren't English. Like I kept going up to people and being like, can you understand what I'm saying? (laughs) It was really bad. So I swore off edibles for life after that. Mm. Okay. (laughs) Do you smoke? (laughs) No, I don't. I never even tried it actually. Oh God, good for you. Mm. I'm sure you drank, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Although the person that I'm dating right now is sober and there's a new bar in town that doesn't serve drinks. Like I'm, I, I feel myself going more and more that way. A bar that doesn't serve drinks. Yeah. It's like a pop-up. It's called busy's. It's a pop-up at black spring coffee and they don't serve alcohol. It's like, what for, do they serve? They serve drinks that aren't alcoholic. I think it's just brilliant. Cause it's like socializing, but not having to have the hangover in the morning. Ah. Yeah. And where is this? It's down on telegraph. Yep. Uh, busy bar. Busy's. B-I-Z-Z-Y-S. Busy's. B-I-Z-Z-Y-S. Okay. Yeah. What's your favorite bar to go to? In Oakland? Mm-hmm. I really like Make Westine. The owner there is uh, a friend of mine, great person. Um, I like 389. Mm. Um, I found this new bar on Telegraph called Northlight that I like. Um, I like beer a lot. So Temescal Brewing is a friend of mine who started it, Sam. Um, and I think they have a great vibe there. Yeah. Drake's. Drake's. Ale Industries. I love um, the people at Ale Industries have been really helpful hosting meetups. Um, so we do sustainable meetups once a week, and mm. they've been really generous with their space. Um, so you're very good at networking, I'm assuming. I network a fair amount. Okay. But 
I don't know. I think networking is just another word for like partnership building. Like someone came into Mudlab the other day and he worked at the airport and I was like, oh, so you, you must fly for free. And he was like, no. And I was like, man, you need to, <laughs> you need to work on your networking because if I was at the airport. <laughs> what does he do at the airport? He probably works selling like uh, newspapers or something. That doesn't mean you can fly for free. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying like, you know, bring some loaves of bread around to the ticket uh, agents because there are empty seats on flights is all right, I saying. work at McDonald's at the airport can I fly to fucking Texas for free I don't think so you know some people fly for free a lot yeah if you actually work for the airline yeah it's you're true, like a it's baggage true. handler or a pilot or something <laughs> uh, nice alright so who is this uh, guy that you keep mentioning what's his name am I allowed to say names yeah you're allowed to, you're supposed to say names on this podcast Um, his uh, let's just call him... Yeah, you, you gotta tell the truth to okay. the fans. Okay, his name's Greg. Greg? Mm-hmm. Greg what? I'm not gonna say his last name. Just yeah. in case he would like privacy. Yeah. He's white? He is. Have you ever dated a black guy before? Yes. Oh, I'm just checking. <laughs> <laughs> I've dated almost every ethnicity. Do you have a preference? Um, I have a preference for people who like me. Yeah. Mm, so what I usually go with. Anyone who sold you attention to you? Gravitates <laughs> anyone who shows attention, <laughs> people who I like who also like me. That's like kind of my, yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you guys have an open relationship? Uh, well, we just started dating last week, so it's official, like boyfriend and girlfriend, or are you just no, like no, no, no. We're just so you can go on dates with other guys. Then I mean, I don't plan to go on dates with other guys, but I guess I could. I mean, we haven't had the talk yet. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you can. Okay. Well, I, I have no time to go on dates with other guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, too work busy. But. So how often do you work at, uh, is, for, is For Here Please, like, non-existent anymore? It's just Mudlab? For Here Please operates out of Mudlab. So I guess when I'm doing one, I'm doing both. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And when was Mudlab created? December. Of 2019? Yeah. Okay. And when was Her Please? For here, please. <laughs> I think Read you're just it. enjoying saying that wrong. Okay. Uh, August. August. About right. August. 2019. Yeah. So it's all relatively new. These were all sort of like, so I went through this sort of bad breakup in June. And then I think, you know, what some people do when they go through breakups is they just become workaholics. And that's kind of what I did. So I was working like 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, just like pouring myself into my work because it was the only thing that distracted me from like sort of this like grief that I was going through about this relationship that didn't work out. Um, but so it allowed me to get a lot done in a short amount of time, I think. Mm. So are you still a workaholic? Yes, but less so. Like, for instance, today I'm taking a few hours off to see a friend, which normally I wouldn't do, but my friendships I found were really... A few hours off? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> you are a workaholic. Yeah. What are you guys up to? Who? You and your friend. Oh, um, I, I don't know. I think we're probably going to get a coffee. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So when you are not at Mudlab, you're still working, basically. You're still, like, trying to set up meetings and, like, get donations and all that? You know, I take some time off to go to the banya from time to time. I run every day. What's the banya? The banya, the Russian spa. It's, like, no, the never sauna. Heard of it. Oh, you like should. hot springs or something? Uh-huh. It's called Archimedes. It's in um, San Francisco. It's, it's pretty incredible. Okay. And Sounds it's, expensive. 
It's not that expensive. It's a wonderful place because you can't be on your cell phone for three hours, so you okay. really have these genuine interactions with people. Mm-hmm. And also, it's clothing optional, so you get to see naked bodies, um, which is like nice. sort of eye-opening. Um, and Do you get naked? Um, I don't. I wear some too. Uh. <laughs> I'm a little bit bashful. <laughs> My God. All right. So it's just basically like a bunch of old men with saggy balls. Oh, no, 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 no. It's all ages. Uh. Except for kids. <laughs> Okay. Are you like the only one in the bathing suit? Um, no, there's quite a few people who choose to wear bathing suits. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. What's the name of this place again? Archimedes. Archimedes. Yeah, it's I'll in the it it's in the Bayview, I think. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. I, I highly recommend it. So, what is your? Uh, you said you have a brother. I have a brother. Yep. Where is he? He's in jail right now. What's he in jail for? I have no idea. Um, he has. You have no idea why your brother's in jail? No. So I've been trying to get in touch with him, but the prison has this like terrible phone. So system. he's in prison, not jail. Prison jail. The jail has this terrible phone system, where like I put fifty dollars credit on his phone ca- card, mm-hmm. um, but then he is using the phone incorrectly according to the operator, so he can't get through to me. So I want to talk to him about why he's in jail, but I haven't you been able to talk to him. You didn't ask your parents. Um, or your dad. He, so he can't call anybody because he's using the phone incorrectly. And so the operator told me I should write him a postcard to tell him how to use the prison phone, the jail phone. How are you going to tell him how to use it? You I know, and I was like, I don't know how to use it. <laughs> I'm out of state. Like, it's just a terrible, terrible system. He's but locked up in uh, uh, Wisconsin? In Wisconsin, yeah. He just recently went to jail? Yeah, and I think he's... You know the difference between jail and prison, right? I do, yeah, yeah. I okay. think it's just so in jail. So he's in jail. I think okay. he's just in jail, yeah. Um, but it's only a 21-day hold, according to his social worker. So hopefully, mm. yeah. Does he have a history of like being locked up? Yeah, he's bipolar and schizophrenic, and so I oh, think no. it's hard for him to just sort of. So jail is not where he should be. Actually, it's a good place for him because he's also an addict, and so. No, they it, should put him in like a, a. I mean, if you get to get locked up, they should lock him up in a place where, yeah, where yeah. you get help, not jail. Jail is going to make you worse. <sighs> At the same time, it's three square meals a day. It's a break from drugs and alcohol. Like I think it's it's better than being out on the street. Mm. Yeah, when I went to Wisconsin, I can see. I went to Madison, Wisconsin before, and I can see why people do drugs out there because it's like <laughs> <laughs> like literally nothing to do. I agree with that. Yeah. Mm. And it was like the whitest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. Like literally the whitest yeah. shit. Ever. They was looking at they were looking at my hair like. Like, they never seen fucking dreadlocks before. <laughs> I was like, shit. So, yeah, that was funny. That was yeah. an experience. Where else have you uh, traveled to? What's your favorite place you've ever been? Somalia. How was that? It was amazing. It was the best year of my life. You spent a year there? Mm-hmm. For? I was teaching at a boarding school there. Oh, okay. Teaching what, English? English and geography. And I was learning alongside the kids with geography. We learned all of the... You were teaching African geography? I was teaching African geography. And you never been nowhere in Africa. I mean, I had been to a couple different But we, you know, we had maps and we had uh, we had each other and we learned the 53 countries. We so learned they were them. Te- they were teaching you. You're like, oh, Ghana's over here. And they were like, no, it's not. It's right here. It was definitely a lot of fun. Okay. So the, it was just the teaching made it fun or just like the... The kids made it fun. The kids were incredibly hardworking. Almost all of them spoke three languages. Just generous, thoughtful, kind. I remember one day I was walking and one of the students said, Miss, uh, you know, that, that headscarf that you're wearing is really old. And I was like, 
okay, thanks. And mm-hmm. it like made me smile and they were like, we just wanted to see you smile. Like they just like had this like playfulness. I mean, they were just yeah. wonderful. Um, some traumatic things that happened there, but you yeah, know, let's talk about that. Well, I mean, so they have, they had a baby goat on the campus and then one day the baby, the baby goat wasn't there anymore. And for me, like that was really hard. People got to eat, right? Yeah. But like, I was just like, I had seen this baby goat be born and like raised. That was the most (laughs) traumatic thing in living in Somalia for you. See, everybody, everybody asked that. They're like, oh, like, wasn't it dangerous? Violence or anything? I didn't see any violence. It's a very peaceful. Well, the place where I was Somaliland, uh, which is in the the north part of the country. It's a breakaway republic. Very peaceful. Um, We had guards with us at all times who were wonderful and protective of us. But they didn't really even need to be because we really didn't encounter a lot of animosity. Was it... um how can I say this? Was it like modern? Was it like buildings and electricity, mm-hmm. running water and all that? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's less amenities. Like it was hard to get hot water. Um, the water would run out sometimes. We had a break in the afternoon every day without electricity. The Wi-Fi mm-hmm. was sort of spotty. But in some ways they're more advanced, right? Like they have this system of payment called ZAD and yeah. everybody in the country has it. And it's kind of like how Venmo is ubiquitous now. Mm-hmm. There every single person in the country has it, right? So it's like you buy something from a roadside stand and you just add each other and nobody carries cash because it's just all on the phone system, which is um, really efficient. Mm. So some efficiencies. Um, I When I first went to Somalia, I thought it would be oppressive to have to wear the head wrap and the long skirts and the long... You have to wear that? Um, yeah, we're yeah. expected to, but I found it actually quite liberating. So I woke up in the morning just wore the same thing every day, like never worried about my hair, never worried about like my body, never worried about like other people looking at my body. You didn't take it the way like, oh, these people are telling women how to dress? Mm. No, I just found it super liberating and very comfortable, like a big baggy dress every day. Okay. I mean, obviously like it's nice to have the choice. Like it was nice coming back and having the choice, but I found that when I came back, I think I was more modest in how I dressed um, because there is something to be said for like preserving parts of your body just for your family right and like that's how my students and I always that that's how they always explained it to me I was like well why do you choose to wear that when you're in the states you know you don't have to and they're like you know what like this is a choice that I've made to like this you know my hair is something that just my family sees and like I thought that was just sort of were nice. you dressing uh, provocative before you went to Somalia I mean I dress like a normal westerner right like I you know would wear low cut shirts from time to time. I would wear tight pants from time to time, but there it's like nothing tight, nothing low cut, nothing, you know, even when you're off work, um, in Somalia. Yeah. Like when you go to the clubs in Somalia, there's no clubs in Somalia. It's a dry. Are there any bars? No bars. (laughs) No bars. No alcohol. All right. Yeah. What are the men like there? Mm. Unfortunately, the country is, um, there's this drug called cot. Sometimes it's pronounced chat. Mm. Uh, and a lot of the men in the country spend a lot of time chewing it, and it it makes your teeth fall out, and it um, it encourages people to just kind of sit around and chew it. It's kind of it's like a it's a stimulant. Um, I don't know. It's unfortunately it led to a lot of problems in the society there, the same way that alcohol I think does here. Yeah. So did you go that whole year without having sex with anyone? Uh, no, I had a boyfriend there. Yeah. Uh, another American who actually lives like a block from here. What? <laughs> yeah, he's still a friend. Was he a teacher too? He was a teacher too. Yeah, he's okay. a great guy. Nice. Yeah. So, um, how did you end up getting that job there? 
uh, idealist, which is a great what's idealist idealist.org. It's a, um, just an online platform. Just found it. I just applied. And then they sent me a plane ticket. Is it for like all teaching jobs or something? Like if you want to teach overseas somewhere? It, it has overseas teaching jobs. It has all kinds of different jobs. I mean, if you're looking for a job in like the nonprofit sector or to do quote unquote good in the world, I guess idealist is the place to go. So you applied and they just sent you a plane ticket saying, okay. Good. Well, first they interviewed me a couple times mm. <laughs> and then they okay. sent me a plane ticket. Yeah. I mean, it was a volunteer position, right? So I wasn't being paid. At all? No. I mean, there was like a stipend which covered basically, you know, like toothpaste and mm. <laughs> phone cards. So how were you able to eat and all that stuff? Oh, I mean, room and board included, obviously. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, and it, was a year, a, it was a year contract? It was a year contract. We had this amazing chef named Nimmo and she would make us she had a menu. It was the same food every every day. Well, was? it was the so we had five vegetables, and she worked miracles with these oh, I vegetables. I would die if I, I can't eat no vegetables every day. <laughs> <laughs> we also had some meat, but um, yeah, it was the same five meals. So Monday was pizza, Tuesday was lentils, Wednesday was burrito. Like you know, it was like the same. And we would, and then Friday night was hamburger night. It was really mm. exciting. How was the pizza though? The pizza was great, but it didn't really have cheese on it because they don't really have cheese there. So the refrigeration is a tough thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had like cream, this like canned cream cheese on it. Is that the only place you worked overseas? I also lived in France for a couple of years and I taught English to stockbrokers in Paris. Uh, how was that? That was an experience. Um, I love Paris. Yeah. It Did was you like, love living there? I loved Paris, yeah. Um, except for it was quite expensive and I was like broke at the time mm-hmm. so I think I ate a lot of just junk food for that reason mm. yeah. so where in Paris were you living? I was living near Port Royal in the 15th okay mm-hmm. near Garden de Luxembourg mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah beautiful neighborhood yeah. yeah I think that whole city is beautiful like everywhere you, you just you can just walk around every building has like is like history you look very French has anyone ever told you that? no okay in France you'd People would be asking you for directions all the time. They didn't ask me Monsieur. for shit. <laughs> when I was in Paris, they knew. I mean, when you're in Paris, there's a lot of black people out there, but they're all African, and you can tell. You can tell who's an African French person and an African American. Yes, yes, you, you can. can. You can always tell that. And when I was walking around, they knew I was an African American. They knew I was. They knew I wasn't a French African. And I remember I was in the that subway system they have is like, the worst. Oh. It's like so complicated. Le Metro? I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> you know, the, like the Paris, that little subway. It's like an amp. You know how amp farms, there's like tunnels within tunnels and all that yeah. shit. That shit is so confusing. <laughs> I got through it because I was with someone who lives in Paris, so they were like taking me around. But It's color coordinated at least. Even that's confusing. <laughs> and every, nothing's in English, so you're like, what the fuck? Where the fuck? It's so easy to get lost. But I remember um, when I was there... I was seeing these uh, these African kids being harassed by the cops, hmm. and so I walked by, and they didn't say shit to me because they knew I was American. Hmm. So, but they were fucking with them because he, they knew that they were like French Africans. That's frustrating. Yeah, there's quite a bit of racism in France, unfortunately, um, and there's some high tensions between the immigrant populations and the natives. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it is a beautiful... Did you ever go to London while you were living out there? Yeah, I was actually just in London like a month ago. Um, one of our vendors for Mudlab is in London. Mm-hmm. Um, they're working on a... 
They're working on a mycelium replacement for um, cups. So a mushroom, like a mushroom that eats paper cups and turns them into a reusable material. There are these French people in London. What? They're cool. They're cool. They're called Blast. A mushroom that eats paper cups? Yeah. So, you, so basically we want to set up collection stations at a few different cafes and collect paper cups. Mm. Right? Cafes that don't have dishwashers, for instance. Mm. And then we take those paper cups and instead of going to a landfill, we'll turn them into a reusable cup that we will then sell back to people so that they have a reusable cup is the idea. Have you ever worked with like a scientist or anything to create something? Um, you know, we're not working with a scientist, but we're working with an engineer right now on a reusable pizza box. Um, and that's pretty exciting. A pizza, a pizza entrepreneur came in earlier today who might um, pilot the reusable pizza box. It's an aluminum box, um, but just trying to figure out, you know how in the past they had milk jugs delivered and then mm. you would like put your empties outside. So we kind of want to have that model where you have one pizza box at your home and one pizza box at the shop, and then you just exchange them whenever you order your pizza. Oh, so you have to. <clears throat> so you basically have to order the pizza from that specific person. Well, it also builds brand, yeah, loyalty. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully, there's going to eventually be so a network can't, of you, pizza places with these. Boxes. You can't be at home called Domino's and be like, "Yo, I want to order a pizza," and then they have to come to your house, get your box. You can go back to the store, well, put it in a pizza, and then come back to your house? Ideally, you know, it'll start with one pizza place, and mm. then it'll be, like, all pizza places. So then nice. you can just interchange, and the pizza boxes will be sort of ubiquitous. I, mean, I, can, I can see that happening. Why yeah. pizza, though? Because it creates a tremendous amount of waste, right? You use a pizza box for 15 minutes, and it's this huge piece of cardboard that then goes to... I mean, I think they're compostable in some places, but not mm. in others. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you know how to make uh, recycled paper? Recycled paper? Mm. Like just chopping it up and. Yeah, I guess. How do you how, do you know how to make recycled no. paper? No. Uh -uh. Mm -hmm. I leave that to the professionals. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to sort my trash. <laughs> so what uh, are you currently working on in Oakland? Well, so we're working on the November 3rd national holiday campaign. Mm -hmm. We're working on the pizza boxes. And then we're still trying to get a couple more cafes to give up their disposable cups. But um, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, being here as a resource for people in the neighborhood who want to go zero waste and, like, giving them the tools. Like, when we order something in bulk, for instance, like our toothpaste tablets, we're able to offer them at affordable prices. So we really want to make sustainability and zero waste affordable to people because if it's not easy and it's not affordable, people won't do it. Um, and so we think that this community buying model where we buy in like big quantities can maybe make things accessible. So you, when you, um, when you send out these uh, like shopping lists or these grocery lists, do you base it off of the how many people email you back on what to order or you you just order and then you see what you can give away we only order what's um what's been demanded by the mailing list so i'll send an email like monday tuesday mm -hmm. and then we'll do our orders wednesday thursday for delivery the next monday tuesday and this is um like every each time is like different stuff yeah, I mean, it changes a little bit. Like, the pasta, obviously, is shelf-stable, so we have some extra of that on hand. Mm -hmm. The honey is shelf-stable. Like, the shelf-stable things, we order extra of because it's cheaper to order in bigger quantities. But, like, for instance, the bread, we only order based on what people actually want. So do you, do you ever get, like, milk and 
cereal and all that stuff. We don't have our health permitting set up yet for refrigerated (laughs) items, but we hope to by this summer because we'd love to do that, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how do people get on this mailing list? Um, They can sign up on the website or they can email me at vanessa at forhereplease.com. What's the website? The the website is forhereplease.com, yeah. Does MudLab have a a website? No, I was going to do a website for MudLab, but... I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, some people come in and they're like, is this a pop-up? And I'm like, mm, we... I mean, it does kind of look like a pop-up. <laughs> it kind of looks like a pop-up. <laughs> it might, like, this might be, like, the first home of Mudlab. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mudlab might be the first name. Um, but for here, please, is really, like, the nonprofit that we want to move forward with. So you plan on opening more locations? Probably not. No? Maybe. I mean, depending on if we get a grant or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you working to get a grant? I write, I write grants every now and then when I have a spare moment. But yeah. grants are, the problem with grants is, right, like, they're so time-consuming. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to have a grant. I guess what would be really nice right now is to have an angel investor. We have one investor, which is my parents. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're hoping for a couple more because it would be nice to keep this going. And an angel investor is uh, just a person who's... St- Stays in the background, just gives you money, right? That's what they call it. Yeah, they don't want the money back later. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> Which yeah, those is are good. really nice. Those are good. Yeah. Yeah, you should. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure you already know about this. You should go to uh, like, was that Palo Alto? Where all the <laughs> where all the fucking uh, tech people are. Going try, to Menlo Try Park to get money week. from them. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, because they they just give away money for oh, tax for tax write-offs. My friend, he, uh, <laughs> my friend created a, uh, he's creating this app to where, um, you know how when you get married, you have to like search for like a wedding dress and flowers and entertainment mm-hmm. and like dishes and shit. So he created an app to where it's like a one-stop shop hmm. for everything. And wow. it like, oh, you go on his app and then you're like, oh, I want to find some, uh, some plates. It'll tell you. You go on this one app, it'll tell you where to get plates and shit from. Or I want, I need flowers. You go on this one app, it'll tell you where to get flowers from. That's so he's creating that, and he went to, uh, he went to uh, Palo Alto with like a business plan and like, and literally raised like two million dollars within like a few months. That's amazing. Cause they, cause people out there, their idea is like, I have all this money, um, what can I invest in? And they don't want to miss out on the next big thing. They don't want to miss out on, like, the next Instagram or the next, like, lift. So they'll give you, well, what's $50,000 to, like, a billionaire, right? That's, like, $20. But for me, that would be a lot of money. Yeah, for us, it's a <laughs> shit ton of money. But to them, it's, like, yeah. it's nothing. So I'll give you $50,000 to, to, uh, to, uh, to, I'll invest $50,000 in this. And if you become big, that means he made a fucking huge good decision. Yeah. Imagine how many people passed on Instagram that could have invested in Instagram when Instagram was just getting started. Man. So yeah. Those people must feel silly. Exactly. But what are you going to do? You can't predict the future. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but if you got money to burn, mm. I mean, so yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, good luck on that. And this is the part of the interview where I let my guests, basically I promote whatever they want to promote. So if you have like a, I know you talked about it, but if you want to talk about it again, if you have like a event you want to promote, you want to get the word out, or like how people can get in touch with you, 
and where my lab is located. And if you're interested in for here, please, yeah, just tell the people. Um, well, we have a couple events that are coming up that we're excited about. We have a poker fundraiser on February 15th that'll allow us to kind of pay our operating costs if it's popular. So if you like playing poker, we'd love for you to come out February 15th. Um, tickets this week are only $50, and next week they're $100. Um, obviously, we're always looking for cafes that want to work with us to help um, their customers go plastic-free. So if you know anyone who owns a cafe or is interested in reducing their waste, I would love to be connected to people at cafes. And then we're always looking for people to give our pasta to. We have quite a bit of extra pasta right now. So if you know a community organization that would benefit from getting um, a donation of free pasta, it's really healthy, it's delicious, and we're happy to bring that over to you. In addition, you know, just spreading the word about Mud Lab is really helpful. Like whenever people come in and buy a book or um, get some plastic-free toothpaste or whatever it is, um, that's always helpful to our nonprofit. So please just come and visit us. We're at 3933 Telegraph. And then I guess finally, just, yeah, remember your reusables. We have some door hangers here. We don't do business cards, but we have door hangers. And it's just like a little sign that says, did you remember your keys, phone, wallet, reusables? And so if you need one of those, you can come get one here. Um, and yeah, thank you so much, Jordan, for doing this. We really appreciate it. Um, we're excited to be in the neighborhood. All right. Well, you heard it from her first. Um, please support my lab. Stop by. Uh, donate, buy something, <laughs> get some pasta. They have, they have a shit ton of it. Yeah. Oh, one other thing. We're starting to do this thing. So since we're so close to BART, we're working with this group called Actera to pair people who might be a little bit bored on their commute with an elderly person um, who they can then have a conversation with. Um, so in a couple of weeks, we're going to be rolling that out. Uh, I think we're going to call it like cuddly commuter you know we're still working on the name but so if you want to like have an elderly person who might appreciate a phone call and you want to call them during your commute oh you got to call them i thought they're gonna be yeah. riding the bar with you I'm no like, they're not gonna ride the old bar. motherfuckers ain't gonna be getting up <laughs> walking to the bar it's just gonna be a conversation but okay. yeah so if you want to do that we'd love to have people come out and and do that nice mm -hmm. that's a that's a it's a weird but strange idea could work <laughs> <laughs> what if you get like an old grumpy person who's like eh I mean, old people are grumpy. I'm getting old. I'm grumpier every I'm kinda, day. Yeah, I'm yeah. kind of grumpy, too. I'm getting up there in the grumpy years. But yeah, uh, so yeah, go, go on her website. You can find all this information on there. Uh, listen to what she said about the events. Support your local Oakland community business owners. Support Vanessa. She's very, very motivated and talented. And this is Everyday Celebrity podcast and we're out you